Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. is episode three of the new old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than splendid rush. We were fed up with being the laughing stock of English football and we want our old Norwich city back. Coming up, Dean does it, thanks to Billy the Kid, Pookie Power and birthday boy Hanley. Is Ollie the new gunny and part two of our greatest ever Norwich managers countdown? But we've been missing some things at Carrow Road recently. Excitement, hope, goals, a comeback win, scoring from a corner, scoring from a cross and back-to-back wins. And we got them all on Super Saturday against Southampton when Dean Smith won his first game in charge at Carrow Road. Where to start, Dad? Well, John, I think it was a, a great win. My real concern was that after losing five games... Villa that uh, we'd lose on Saturday it'd be another defeat defeat for Smith there'd be doom and gloom everywhere and and everything all the hope and expectation that had been built up over the change of manager would be lost so I I think it's a I think it's a a a great win as you say it was a comeback win Um, we scored two goals and I think perhaps as important as all that was the fact that Dean Smith at half time, when we'd uh, been outplayed for most of that uh, first half, he changed the players, he made a substitution, and he changed the tactics. And we haven't seen that for a long time. So let's talk about some of the players then, because they were the ones on the pitch that ultimately scored the goals, stopped the goals, etc., etc. The manager can, as you say, change things, and he did, which, yeah. which was great to see. And it was one of our main complaints about Farker that we never really ever could change anything once the lineup was the lineup, um, yes. and how brilliant that was at times in, in certain seasons that we could never really um, change it, which is why we haven't had back-to-back wins, why we haven't come from behind to win a football match. 
for for so many for so many matches. Um, Grant Hanley, then the birthday boy, culpable for the first goal, according to uh, Dean Smith. I thought that was a bit harsh. To be fair, having having watched it, I thought Che Adams held it held him off very very well. However many times you watch it, it's always quite difficult, even in slow motion, isn't it? To... <laughs> to uh, sort of apportion blame or the balance between skill and uh, and an error but uh, and and obviously if he'd have given a penalty away it'd have been just as bad so um yeah he made up for it in the end i suppose that's the best way to look for uh, look at it isn't it i mean he gave away an awful, awful yes he ball. did that and that definitely was down to him and that was a, an important um, part in the game really just before half time yeah because cruel cruel saved that down to his right hand side yes and yes. It, and uh, to be fair i think the players Certainly, defence. I think it was Brandon Williams celebrated like that was a goal, that yes. save because I think, yeah. as you said, everyone knew how important important that was. Um, so Hanley turned it around. His first Premier League goal since 2011 on wow. <laughs> on New Year's Eve, <laughs> which was uh, which was a party that day. But I bet he didn't think he'd have to wait till 2021 for the for the next one. But uh, oh, uh, a header, and from a corner, and from a setup from from Billy Gilmore. Absolutely, and, and as you say, we don't see many of those. I mean, I think we can thank the goalkeeper a little bit. Mm. You know, we'll take that, and uh, and, you, and sometimes you just need a bit of luck at the right time. Don't you? We've said that before. So I read somewhere that Billy Gilmore was anonymous in the first forty-five minutes. Yes, I mean they did say that that wouldn't have been a surprise if he'd have been taken off as well as Campwell at halftime. But again, Dean Smith worked out that if he changed it. And then he went off with a standing ovation. He, as I say, set up, got the assist for the corner um, and a standing Put, ovation from the fans. Yeah, I think they pushed him forward further. So they were pressing more. That was effectively yes. what they were doing, um, yes. which is what he does for Scotland. And, yeah. and we talked about in, in the last episode. So it looks like they've, certainly for that game, because you can never say, oh, well, they solved it now. Because the next team is different and and they play in a different way, so you can't necessarily say that they've solved the Billy Gilmore uh, situation. But I think he said, of course, it was his first win for Norwich, November the nineteenth, his first win for Norwich. Yes, um, uh, and obviously our second um, because he didn't play a, a, against Brentford. I thought uh, Max Aaron's bombing down the right, his cross for for Pookie um, was was pretty impressive. And I think I think Pookie's movement as well was good. I mean, and to be fair to Pookie, he gets quite a bit of criticism really, but he scored four goals. Yep. This season already, four goals in a team that hasn't really scored goals. As I know, there's been a couple of penalties in there, but um, you know, he uh, he does know where the back of the net. And boy, wasn't that an important goal? Yeah. If that if that lead had lasted for an extra five minutes, that would have been a completely different game. Yeah. Because the atmosphere changed. I mean, he beat the man at the near post. I think he surprised the goalkeeper. Yes. Um, he certainly surprised us uh, with yeah. that goal. As you say, fourth of the season. So he's now scored 15 Premier League goals. Dad, you know who has scored more? So he's the fourth in the Premier League list for Norwich for the number of goals scored in the Premier League. Who scored Is he really? more? Yeah. Wow. Tough um, question. A couple from the 90s and one more recent. Chris Sutton? Yep. Oh, um, Fleck? Nope, not Premier League. Probably wow. scored. Probably scored Division One. Right. Mark Robbins. Oh, of course, yes, because yeah, because Premier League, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Grant Holt. 
Oh yeah, I was I was thinking of Grant Hill, but I couldn't I couldn't quite remember how many he actually scored in the Premier League. So, so yeah, so fourth in the list at the moment um, for for Puki, and I thought also Rashika was was worth a mention. I think he was on the right in the first half again. A change they put him to the left in yeah. the second half and brought Sargent on, and that secure that, that kind of secured us up a little bit. Which brings us on to the elephant in the room, Todd Camwell. <laughs> Seems to be just the question, is it because he hasn't played? Is it because he's rusty? Or is he just not at the races anymore? And that is the, the three questions. Absolutely. Because you can't, you can't say it's over for him now by being pulled off at half-time, because it was, as you say, literally his first game of the season, effectively. Yeah. Um, but do you risk it again? Do you, do you put him on the bench next time? I've never thought he's a player that comes off the bench and actually plays well. I think he's more of a... He plays tends to play better from the start. Um, but yeah, it's you want him to succeed. And I think everyone agreed with the team selection for Dean Smith that Campbell right. came back and Gilmore came back. But again, big call to pull him off at half-time. And you just... There are huge question marks now about whether he has a career at Norwich or is there a, a loan maybe to a championship club for the six months from January just to see whether he can he can find some form again? And I think we're, we're probably going to have to see the answers in the next um, couple of months or so, don't you? Because, because you're right, if he's not a player to come off the bench, it's quite a big risk to play him from the start again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're going to then drag him off again, isn't it? If it you know, and uh, yeah, no, it is. Uh, but I think that those, those questions have probably got to be answered in the next couple of months. So another home game uh, to come yep. for, 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 for Dino. Um, happy with his, his, his interviews off the bat. He was obviously delighted. He did call out Grant Hanley, but I wonder whether that's a little bit of kind of don't get carried away with it type thing. I think so, yeah. And, and to be fair, I think Hanley's, as you said, if he hadn't scored a goal for all those years, I think he can probably take it. I think he's experienced enough to take it, whilst perhaps a younger player. Yeah, I think. I think. I mean, the, the other pleasing thing about that and his, his, his change was actually bringing Sargent on, which we probably, I, I think, a lot of people would have been quite surprised. But uh, you know, Sargent's not not going to. I don't think he'll score you a lot of goals, but he obviously added to something. I think that Rashika in the first half, they said, didn't give a lot of cover to. Aaron's yeah and um, Southampton got a lot of joy on that left wing a lot of freedom um, of course Rashika moved to the left and um, uh, and and that provided that cover and um, and that, that and that was really a success and and this is really what we're looking for you know we're not just talking about a new manager bounce here you're looking for people who are going to uh, bring something and it's going to contribute a lot more to the, the team. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, fingers crossed, but uh, it's looking quite promising. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, Wolves, Wolves will be difficult, of course, on Saturday. Yeah, well, we are more steady on than Splendid Rush. You're, ne <laughs> you're never going to get Dad carried away uh, with one win. And I tell you, we could have had a totally different podcast if Theo Walcott had headed in an equaliser yes, in yeah. the dying seconds. Yeah. Two points taken away would have been a big disappointment, wouldn't yeah, absolutely. Now, more. I've got more respect for Stuart Webber uh, this week. Been slightly critical of him in the last couple of ex, uh, episodes. The director of football uh, said, of course, whether Dean Smith was really his second choice because he fired Farker not knowing um, that Dean Smith was going to be available or maybe he heard a whisper, as you rightly said, uh, last week. And, and week before, we were talking in episode one about making the call um, and, and whether whether it was the right decision, and we we worked out 
and, and heard, of course, that he'd fought his way uh, all week to, to make that change under Farker. And I've got a lot more respect for him this week because of the situation at Manchester United. And, and what a, a complete and utter waste of time this season is for Manchester United. It's another season down the pan. They've sacked, sacked Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, of course, and now effectively are saying that they are not going to replace him um, and it will be another interim manager and they're more likely going to go for the likes of Pochettino, who they should have gone for a few years ago anyway, um, next summer. But what a, what a waste of a season. So um, Stuart Webber, I'm just going to put it on record. Well done for making that decision and, and forcing that through because it does mean, as we've been saying in this podcast, we want our old Norwich back. It does feel like we have a chance this season yes. of doing we're, something. We're back in the game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, talking of being back in the game... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is obviously a Manchester United legend for that goal he scored in 99 in yes. the Champions League final. Yeah. Brian Gunn was a Norwich City legend for the run uh, uh, to Munich and, and Inter Milan and everything that went on in the club in the, in the early 90s. Yes. By both becoming managers, can they still be a legend after getting sacked as a manager? I think they probably can, because I think as time elapses, as, t as time drifts by, people will remember them as a player. And probably those little, those, I, I know, I know um, Solskjaer's been manager longer than Gunn was, but I suspect that after a while his, his period in management will be overlooked. Right, because he was obviously at the club for, a, a like Gunn, a, a, a fair number of years. Yes. Um, and it will be more the videos of him turning and celebrating um, and jumping into the arms of Gary Neville yeah. and, and various other players. Um, and the same with Gunny, effectively. I, I was always quite pleased that they never changed the gun club at Carrow Road, that it still is the, the gun club. Yes. Despite yes. what happened with him as manager. And, and ultimately, I, I asked the question at the start of the pod, is Ollie the new Gunny? They both wanted to do the best for the club? Yes, that's, I think that's right. Um, um, I mean, to be fair to Gunn, um, slightly differently, but he, he'd had no management experience at all, really, when he took on the club. And, I, and I'm sure he did it because he, he was asked. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, he wanted to do the best for the club. Um, Solskjaer did have a bit more experience and possibly would have expected more. But, um, um, I mean, it's, it's not easy managing in the Premier League at these these top clubs I mean the, the expectation is really high and obviously Liverpool Chelsea now and Manchester City are setting very high standards if you're Ronaldo uh, Fernandez, Pogba I know you're, you're injured um, and he's probably going to leave anyway because his contract's up just on Manchester United you're now sitting there going well we're not going to be able to sign any more players because if we don't f finish in the Champions League next season, this season, then we're not going to be in the Champions League next season unless we win it. I, I just don't know what there is to play for when you know that you're not going to have a manager until the summer. I think, I think that's right. And they'll be looking over their shoulder at, shoulders at other players in different clubs and what's, what's going on. Um, just the other side of that, John, I did someone ask the question, um, I think it was on Match of the Day, which said, you know, you've got players earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. Have, isn't isn't there some sort of personal pride as well in doing more than they're doing at present? Um, and I've always found that issue a little bit difficult, really. Um, I don't. I, I've 
the, the manager's important. You can't expect just players to get together and play and be that successful. But equally, a team can be so bad that you do wonder, you know, what exactly what's going on in their mind. Is it that they're all looking for other things? And uh... Yeah, it's a tough question. I think, what is the motivation as a player? Are you playing for yourself or are you playing for the manager? But and, it's a team game. And it's a, t- and it's a team game. <laughs> yeah. And who, obviously the manager sets out the way you want to play. But I, I mean, I always remember Lawrence Delalio in the world of rugby talking about how when that team, the England team won it in 2003, they had players on there that could make decisions and actually change the way they were playing. Yes. And realise that they weren't playing the way, even though Sir Clive Woodward had said, this is how we want to play, that during the game it became obvious that that wasn't the right way of doing it and they actually changed the way they played um, or changed some tactics. And I don't know whether in football that is even something that people even do. Um, I think probably in the best teams that does happen. Yeah. I think that's the hook. And, and to do that, the players have to get on really well together. They have to be a real good team spirit. Now, you can argue as well well that's up to the manager to create that i suppose <laughs> and that's why it's a chicken and egg situation isn't it um, yeah but um yeah it's just it's a it's a strange one because to be fair to those players i mean they can't, they can't they're not enjoying it at the moment are they no no absolutely not you know it's you know what it's like when you're at work if, if, yes. you're, not, if you're not having a very good time or you're you're not doing a project that you particularly want to do or whatever you, oh, it's not going well and you know and, and you're rowing and all that sort of thing it's, yeah you're not sitting there going, well, at least I'm being paid under a thousand a week. I think that's where the money thing comes into it. It clouds it. Yes. The money yeah. thing is actually irrelevant because they don't really, they don't get handed a, a brown envelope at the end of the week anymore, do they? Do they? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, might, they might do for other for other services provided. But ultimately, it just goes into, they don't never see this money, do they? They just live their lives yes, as they are. Yes, but of course, yes. we all see, and the media project it as well, we all see this mil- you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousand pounds a week. And we, we think, well, they should be doing more for that than they actually are. Well, ultimately, yes. a lot of them are just doing their job. Now, yeah. some of them aren't doing it very well. And, and that's a, but there are other factors in that. They, they, they don't, you're absolutely right. They don't go on there, stand thinking there, oh, I'm earning so much in that. I mean, the, when you play the game with any sport, that, that's, that's all irrelevant, isn't it? It does um, become, a, I think it does become a job as well. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned uh, working with Kenny Sampson uh, back in the day, and, and he would say there were certain players that he played with who literally were in the office as in the training ground, as soon as the training was over, they were often didn't think about football, didn't watch football, weren't interested in football. It was right. just they yeah. were very good at it, and it yes. was their job. Yes. And I, I don't think as a fan, any of us understand that. We don't, no. we don't, no. we don't get it because it's no. our, ultimately it's our dream to be there and be on the pitch and score a goal in front of the River End at Carrow yeah. Road, and that yeah. is, and that's what we can never get get yeah. through. And I don't and, think the media helps with the whole £100,000 a week, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think, I think as well, it's, you, it, it's probably good for a team that you do have some people like that in your team, isn't it? Yeah. Because as you say, if they're all like us, and um, you, know, you go 2-0 up and we start to think, oh, 10 nils are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No one wants to be like us. This is the new Old Norwich podcast that's more steady on uh, than Splendid Rush. And we are now going to get into part two of our greatest ever Norwich City managers. We did Mr. Archie McCauley in episode two, 
We so did. Who is episode three, please, Dad? In this episode, we'll be looking at the career of Ron Saunders. After Archie McCauley left to manage in the top tier of the uh, the leagues, progress in the league for Norwich City was hard to come by. We did, however, have further cup success, and in 1963, I was standing on the terraces in the biggest crowd ever to gather at Cow Road, nearly 44,000. We had reached the sixth round of the FA Cup, but missed a penalty and lost 2-0 to Leicester City, who went on to the final. And in 1967, we shocked the football world again by beating the mighty Manchester United at Old Trafford. The big teams fielded their full sides back then, and United included the holy trinity of Best, Law and Charlton. <laughs> and before a crowd of 63,000, we won 2-1. If any extra proof is needed of how good the United team were at that time, they went on to win their remaining 14 league games to win the title, and just over a year later they became the first English side to win the European Cup. I was in a further crowd exceeding 40,000 at Carroll Road for the fifth round tie at home to Sheffield Wednesday that year, but we lost to the higher division side 3-1. So, although we did have that cup success, as we approached the end of the 1960s, even those successes were drying up. So we were in the second division still? We were in the second division and 10 seasons after Macaulay had left, we had had four different managers and we were still in, still in division two. Public interest was waning and crowds were falling. To arrest that slide, City invested in a new up and coming manager, Ron Saunders from Oxford United. He became at that time the highest paid manager in Norwich City's history. He came with a reputation of being a strict, tough disciplinarian who put fitness first. Unfortunately, the club had no fortune for the new manager to spend, and Saunders' first two seasons were no different from those that preceded them. Despite some early promise, they had to be content with mid-table finishes. Going to matches was becoming a rarity for me, just occasionally when there was uh, a spot of interest. I can remember going when the youngsters Doug Livermore from Liverpool and Graham Padden from Coventry was, were brought to the club. But as the 1971-72 season opened, there were no great expectations, no great anticipation, little to tempt the supporters in the build-up. With one win and three draws in the first four games, the home crowd was below 11,000. But five wins, three away from home in a row, and we were top of the table. I began to take notice. Listening to the score flashes on Radio 2, there was no local radio back then. And with City continuing their unbeaten run, it would be 14 matches before they were beaten. Well into October, I went to my first game of the season. With crowds back to over 20,000, it was an exciting, exhilarating 3-0 win under the lights against Burnley. I would miss only one further home league game that season due to sickness. By early December, as the run at the top of the league continued, we started going to selected away matches. This success in the league was matched with a League Cup run. 
Progressing to the fifth round, I was one of a crowd of 36,000 to see us lose 1-0 at Carroll Road to a star-studded Chelsea side who had won the FA Cup just over 12 months earlier. That side included Peter Osgood, or No Good, as us Norwich supporters called him. <laughs> to help our main forward, David Cross, Ron Saunders brought in a new striker, Jimmy Bone. Jimmy Bone superstar, how many goals have you scored so far? And we had a cross and bone strike force. <laughs> we went back to the top of the table with a 5-1 home win over Blackpool. We would remain there, only losing one of our remaining eight games. But our rivals, Millwall and Birmingham, kept snapping at our heels. Only two teams would get promoted. No playoffs. After two nervy 1-0 Carroll Road victories, we needed just two points from the two remaining away games to clinch promotion. There were, remember, just only two points for a win in those times. On Monday the 24th of April 1972, I left work at lunchtime and joined the Yellow and Green Trail snaking all the way from East Anglia to London for an evening fixture at Brisbane Road, Leighton. In a crowd of mostly Norwich supporters fraught with nerves and anxiety, we sang throughout. We are the champions. Not the Queen song, that hadn't been composed then. And now you're going to believe us. And if you love Norwich, clap your hands. Just after half-time, we took the lead and scored another one with just over 20 minutes to go. All was well, well with the world. That's what football can do for you. For the first time in our history, we were in the top tier. It had taken 70 years. My granddad, like many others, hadn't seen it. We had never believed it possible. Season after season of hard slog, Privileged were the 5,000 of us who were there that night, and we knew it. For the one and only time, I celebrated by going onto the pitch. The police tried to push, push us back as we climbed over the barriers, but we broke through and stood on the pitch in front of Saunders and the players as they appeared with champagne in the stands. It's a, it was a magical night, and a night I've never forgotten. Five days later, the Saturday morning, we were again on a, a yellow and green trail down to London. City needed a point at Watford to claim the title. Local Galston boy, Dave Stringer, you'll hear more about him in, in further episodes, scored our goal in a 1-1 draw. Norwich fans celebrated winning the title again on the pitch. What a week it had been. We had been promoted and would play the top teams in the country. So, three questions from that. Yep. Firstly, 1972, how can you leave work at lunchtime to go to Leighton Orient? How does that work? <laughs> um, I, I could take a half day's leave. We didn't, we didn't operate flexi time then, but we, we were allowed to take some of our leave in half days. Okay. And so I took a half day's leave. And so you went to Orient and went to Watford. How was the A11 in those days? <laughs> Boring, well, I would have thought. All, all single carriage, carriageways. Um, we had to go through Wyndham. We had to go through Thetford. We had to go through Newmarket, all the towns. You just had to go through all the towns. So he created history by being champions yep. at Watford. What was what did Ron Saunders bring? So you talked us through how he did it, but what did he bring to the team? What did he change? Why why was he a success? Why is he one of Norwich's greatest ever managers? We we haven't put our top five in yet, but why is he a contender? 
I think, I think, I mean, I mean, obviously he achieved something very, very special to get, as, as I said, nobody really believed we'd ever get to Division One. It'd taken 70 years, you know, we'd floated around even for the last 10 years, we'd been mid-table in Division Two. So nobody really believed it. And he brought that belief to the side. He obviously um, brought um, fitness uh, and effort, but particularly in that 1971-72 season, he, he, he produced a lot of, um, uh, skillful attacking, exciting football, mm. um, and uh, uh, and uh, and as I said, we went on long winning runs. And um, no, I, I I I think all credit to him. And, and he didn't do that, you know, as other, some managers had with um, parachute payments or extra money. He 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 did it on a shoestring, really. Uh, and the players, so he, he he brought some good players in. I mentioned Dougie Livermore. I mentioned Graham Padden. There was David Cross and Jimmy Bone. But he also developed players who were already there, players like um, Dave Stringer, Duncan Forbes, and, and Kevin Keelan. He, I mean, he turned them into, and they did become um, top-tier players. As I was going to say those three, so Keelan in goal and yes. Str Stringer and Forbes were the, were the centre-back pairing. Yes. And, and, and defence is something that sometimes... Um, people forget about and it's, it's actually crucial for teams that get promoted it, yeah it provided the backbone and then and it did it did allow for those skillful players up uh, and then he took us to Wembley he did yeah I mean I was then going on to say that after that we obviously we couldn't wait till the 1972-73 season started and we set off like an express train after Jimmy Bone had scored our first ever goal in the top tier in a 1-1 draw against Everton our second game was at Portman Road, Ipswich, and Ip Ipswich would finish fourth in the division that season. Um, and I was celebrating in a packed Ipswich stand as we won 2-1 that night. That was, as I said, just the second game in the top tier. And our run in the League Cup took us all the way to a Wembley final. A 3-0 away win at Arsenal in the fifth round gave us a two-legged semi-final game against, uh, games against Chelsea. Twelve days before Christmas in 1972, we were, we were in dreamland at, Stam at Stamford Bridge. Cross and Bone both scored to give us a 2-0 win. One week later, so that's just uh, five days before Christmas, we were winning 3-2 um, on the night in the second leg, 5-2 on aggregate. With five minutes remaining, a blanket of fog swarmed in from the Barclay end. It was so dense the game had to be abandoned. 5-2 up with just five minutes to go. We couldn't believe it. We just drifted home. In 1959, we said we'd been so close to reaching Wembley with a semi-final replay. Was, was the fog going to deny us once again? After Christmas, over 34,000 of us were back at Carroll Road for the second leg to begin all over again. A much closer affair uh, a 1-0 win with Keelan being superb towards the end of the game. We edged a 1-0 victory. Justice had been done. The Wembley final against Tottenham was in comparison a disappointing affair. We lost 1-0 and we learnt that getting to a final is great, but Wembley is not a great place for losers. Never, nevertheless, again we knew what a privilege it had been for us to be at Wembley with our team. Again, it had taken over 70 years and many, many supporters had not seen that. We also played a big price in the league for our cup success. 
During the 3-0 win over Arsenal, our captain Duncan Forbes suffered a collapsed lung and missed a big part of the season. In the league, we went 19 games without a win. It would take three wins in four games as we approached the end of the season that saved us, including a last-minute added-time winner by no other than David Stringer in front of us at the River End against Crystal Palace. So within four seasons at the club, Saunders had taken City to the top division, kept them there for a season and taken them to Wembley for the first time. It had been quite a record. But if we hoped that that second season in the top division would be easier, we were mistaken. By November, we had just two wins from the opening 16 matches. After the last of these, Saunders had a blazing row in the boardroom with the new chairman, Arthur South, and resigned. He would go and prove himself in the top league, particularly with Aston Villa, who he took to the league title and developed a team to win the European Cup. And as I said, by the time he left Norwich, his reputation had been a bit scarred by, by what some saw as defensive negative football. Uh, nothing more than fitness and effort. And many fans were not even sorry to see him go. But he was a lot more than that, as I've said. Um, and that, that was really demonstrated by his his later career. He gave us two history-making, fantastic, exciting seasons. And he did something that no manager ever does anymore, uh, which is resign. Yeah, <laughs> yes. They just wait, they just wait think, to be sacked and get 26 I think he had a job pounds. lined up at Manchester City to be fair, <laughs> Even so. Just... I think, to be fair to him, I think Manchester City had been courting him but he had, he, he'd stayed on with Norwich till he had this big row with Arthur South. That's what I understand. So he went to Man City and it wasn't, he didn't do amazing there, did he? And then went to the I think he or... might have got them, funny enough, to the League Cup final the following season. Right. But, then, uh, but then he went on to Aston Villa and uh, he, he did win the League Cup uh, with them. But he left them before they won the European Cup. Yeah, that was another. He, he, he won the League Championship with them. And yeah. it, was, it wasn't long before the European Cup final. I think he may have well led them in some of those teams in that run to the European Cup. But, uh, but certainly by the end, he, yeah, he had another dispute with the board and left. Wow. I, I think he was, a, you know, he was a forceful and principal character, I think. But, yeah. uh, As I said, not something that you normally see in football these days. So we will uh, continue our countdown of contenders for the greatest ever uh, Norwich City managers. Um, hopefully some names I might be able to have an opinion on. Yes, John, the, the next one actually will be John Bond, who is the last one in the pre-John era. Excellent stuff. Uh, this is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.